Live from the Interaction Media Studios in Morgantown, West Virginia, we welcome you to the Healthy Harrison Podcast. It's a show designed to change your state. I'm Gary Bowden, a member of the Healthy Harrison Board of Directors, and with me co-hosting is Amy Haberbosch-Wilson, who is the newly appointed president of the Healthy Harrison Board of Directors. She assumed that role uh, this week. And this is the first time that we're doing this side by side. That's true, yes. Everything we've done thus far through 40-some-odd podcasts has been virtual. We're streaming this program on the Healthy Harrison Facebook page, and uh, as well as on our statewide distribution network of our media partner, wvnews.com. If you regularly or even occasionally join our program or watch our podcast, you'll notice, as I just mentioned, that Amy and I are side by side. Uh, We had hoped to have our guest in the studio with us uh, today and didn't quite get that worked out. But I will let you know that going forward in 2022, it is our hope that uh, many of our podcasts will be done in a live studio format, which just makes it a little bit comfortable, more comfortable for everybody, I think. Every week at this time, we chat with individuals who are focused on the mission of Healthy Harrison, which is fostering measurable improvement to the health and well-being of the citizens of North Central West Virginia, uh, eventually the citizens throughout the state of uh, West Virginia. Uh, We are delighted to have back with us today as our guest, Dr. Clay Marsh, and uh, we welcome him in uh, because he's no stranger to uh, this program, and frankly, he's no stranger, I don't believe, to anyone in West Virginia uh, any longer. He's the vice president and executive dean for health sciences at West Virginia University. He's the head of the WVU School of Medicine. He's a graduate of WVU and its medical school, and today is perhaps best known as the state's COVID-19 czar, an illustrious title that I'm sure you uh, you likely never wanted to have, Clay. Gary, that is true. And as I read about czars, they often become beheaded. So I'm hoping <laughs> that's not my fate at the end yeah. of this uh, tra- COVID. A, yeah, tragic ending to this uh, glorious role that you've uh, had to take on over the last year. Uh, Clay, your uh, professional journey has taken you full circle at WVU. You were a student uh, at West Virginia University, a medical student. You worked at some other areas. You came back and now have an extremely key leadership role uh, at the university in WVU Medicine, as we said. Um, I-, I wonder sometimes if you go home at night and, and ask yourself, you know, what have I done? Or is it, look at what I've done. Wow, that, you know, um, it's really such a privilege, Gary, to be back in West Virginia. And, and uh, you know, I grew up here and went to school here, undergraduate medical school. And, you know, Gordon Gee was the president then. And I ended up going to Ohio State University and was there for 30 years and met my wife there. And we had our children there. And Gordon was the president there twice. And when Gordon became the president of West Virginia University again, he pulled me back. And, and, and I'll, I'll be back for seven years in, in February. And it's truly been the greatest work part of my life and personal growth part of my life. So I'm eternally grateful. And although sometimes, you know, I get fatigued like everybody else, I am just so motivated and so um, inspired by the selfless, altruistic actions 
of so many people I see every day. And, and West Virginia is a great place to be. And I would say for anybody who has been here for your whole life and takes it for granted, takes the people for granted, I would just tell you, it is a jewel treasure. It's wonderful. And so I'm just so delighted to be back. So every day is a good day for me and I understand how lucky I am. You're well acquainted with Healthy Harrison. In fact, the genesis of Healthy Harrison came from discussions between you and uh, President Gee of West Virginia University, as it's mentioned to me. Uh, does, does what we're doing, what you know about the efforts of Healthy Harrison, is, is it meeting your vision of what you hoped to see? Gary, it's absolutely exceeding my vision. You, you know, when we started off with Healthy, Healthy Harrison, we really wanted to identify uh, communities that were ready for transformation. Because our belief is, and, and Amy, congratulations on the new position. Um, but our belief is that the way that we practice medicine in West Virginia and in our country, you know, needs to be better balanced. And, and to balance things correctly, we need to put more on the front side to prevent people from being ill versus all the money that we spend and all the resources we put on the backside, which is building really sophisticated service centers and garages, if you look at it like you know car maintenance. And Healthy Harrison has been such a leader for us in coming together. You know, when we first started Healthy Harrison, we had it backwards. And, and what's great is the community helped us understand you know, how we should be thinking about it, which has really changed our approach because we started off with a kind of a top-down approach, uh, an idea that we wanted to be, remember one of the taglines in Healthy Harrison was we wanted to go from worst to first. And we had these things that we believe were key, you know, activators and stabilizers of an unhealthy network. And if we could disrupt those things, we could get healthier. But what we learned from Healthy Harrison is that this can't belong to the university, it can't belong to the state, it can't belong to Gordon Gee or to Clay Marsh or to either one of you. It's gotta to belong to the people that live in the community that want a better community, a safer community, a healthier community, you know, a community that you would want to raise your kids and your family in and make that the best community it can. And, and those communities, when they reach that, which Healthy Harrison is, they are the torch to light the fire for other communities. And that's how health really spreads optimally in our state and beyond. Yeah, yeah very true. Yeah, it's worst to first, you said. I like to change your state. I like what we're doing now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Me too. But we learned a lot. And the people in health in Harrison County really have helped us learn and helped us better uh, articulate and identify what are those key drivers because um, because of the successes that we've seen with you guys. So kudos. Thank you. And well, kudos to you as well. You've worked diligently throughout the state to promote the benefits of healthier lifestyles um, like we are. Are Western communities making headway? And how are they, how do you feel that they're doing? You know, Amy, I think that we are making headway. You know, we were interrupted in some of our programming by the little inconvenience that COVID-19 has brought to, uh, to both West Virginia and beyond. So, so we got a little distracted as far as the, the sort of the focus on, you know, on community-based growth. But, 
But I think that we see that during a time of crisis like COVID-19 or a time of incredible stress on all parts of our systems, health, economic, you know, social, cultural, et cetera, we see a lot of bright spots come up. I mean, you know, when you look at West Virginia, West Virginia is being identified as a tourist destination. West Virginia is housing virtual workers now. We're really leveraging the natural beauty we have, the artisan, you know, um, uh, artisan professionals that live in West Virginia. And we're starting to build and, and demonstrate that, you know, we're an innovative, smart people that are creating our own supply chains and becoming much more self-sufficient than many other states. So there's been a lot of silver linings from COVID. Certainly we've lost way too many people in West Virginia and the country. So I think that we are poised to really start to facilitate and continue to grow these sort of county-based, bottoms-up, healthy lifestyles and programs. But at the same time, Amy, we have the shortest life expectancy in the country at 74.4 years per CDC. We saw the highest number of overdose deaths from substance use disorder. We have the highest rates of smoking in pregnant women. We have one of the highest rates of death from heart disease. I mean, we have many problems. If you look at obesity and overweight, we're still, I believe, the heaviest state in the country. So we have a lot of opportunity. But the thing that we have that I think is the absolute critical thing, we have people with wonderful hearts. And, you know, there's a joke, how do you know that you've broken down on the side of the road in West Virginia? And the answer is because everybody stops to help. And that's the spirit of the place. And that is a foundation that we can build wonderfully upon. But we have to continue to help people see a better future, change their mindset, go from that scarcity kind of perspective to one that's abundance-based, a growth-based mindset. And I think once we identify, yes, we can, and we deserve great things to happen for us, and we have the ability not just to help West Virginia, but to be a model for the world, for the other places in the country. And I very deeply believe that is true, but it doesn't count until everybody deeply believes that's true. And I think that's the job in, in front of us. Oh, I agree, absolutely. My work in uh, Harrison County has really been focused in economic development, especially for the past few years. Um, we've had three huge economic wins announced this past week in Mon County, Mason County, and Kanawha counties. Do you see your efforts and those of Healthy Harrison producing continued successes in the future? Well, absolutely. And, and Amy, we know that there is a, an incredible interconnection, convergence right. between three areas. Gordon talks about these two, which is really it's education, it's jobs, prosperity, and it's health. And, and, and when you look at longevity studies, and, and that's the way I think of health, is having your biological age, your body's real age, be less than your birthday age, your chronological age. And when you look at the people that live the longest, it turns out that it's not just eating the better diet, or it's not just walking more miles by your whatever your smartwatch is. It's really two things that delineate people that live really long and well. It is really close community. It's, it's connections. And it's connections feel, where people feel loved and feel safe and feel connected to others. So, you know, you might decide that you want a break and you want to go meditate 
that's solitude. And that's different than if you feel left and abandoned and nobody loves you or cares about you, that's loneliness. And so we need to bring people together. So the first thing is, is, is social connection and social capital. And we know that people die of a loss of this feeling of worthiness. And the second thing is we need to be continued to be challenged for our whole life. And a job is both for many people where you have your social connections, you identify yourself and you have your worth, but also it's where you have your challenges, it's where you grow. And so having the economic arm of health be present is critical for continued you know, well-being and health. And similarly, if you have a workforce that's not healthy enough to get a job or is addicted or is too ill to be able to do what is needed, then you don't have an economic development arm. So these things are really interdependent. And having a job and having a college degree and um, are two predictors of longer lives and health, as well as, as I say, this idea about about person-to-person -person connection. Somebody could call in the middle of the night, you know, and would be right there for you. You know, and the more of those people you have, the healthier you're likely to be. And that you're doing something that continues to challenge you to grow and to continue to evolve through your whole life. And, and those things are really important. I want to remind those joining our Healthy Harrison uh, podcast that this program could not be, uh, would not be available. Uh, we would not be able to produce it without the help of our sponsors, and they are WVU uh, Medicine United Hospital Center, West Virginia University, The State Journal, WVNews.com, and Interaction Media. Uh, we're entering, Clay, the third year of this COVID-19 <laughs> uh, pandemic. Uh, I, I, I wonder if you ever imagined that your role, and, and we, we joked about it a little bit, your role as COVID-19 czar um, would have gone on for this long. And I also wonder, in a more serious note, how it's impacted your professional life, because this is not something, this was not a role you were looking for necessarily. No, and, and, and Gary, you would guess that most people that are given a relatively simple task like the governor gave me that couldn't effectively improve that over a couple of years wouldn't still have the title. Yeah. But nonetheless, um, you, you know, COVID has surprised everybody. It's interesting that one of the people that I've gotten to know is a, is a really wonderful physician scientist named Mike Osterholm. And Mike wrote the book in 2007 that predicted there was going to be a terrible pandemic that was going to cause huge problems. And, and so talking to him, I asked him, so has this come true to the fruition you thought? He goes, oh my gosh, no, this has been so much different and so much more complicated. It's always turn left from we're thinking it's going to turn right, et cetera. And so, I, you know, I would say that this is a stressor that has affected all systems everywhere. And I think that it really has exemplified, though, this moment. Uh, what I am reading personally is transformational change. And you think about it, the weather patterns are very intense. Politically, we are as polarized as we've probably been in a very long time in our country. COVID has caused a unprecedented disruption lasting, as you say, going into the third year. And, you know, although we 
hope the Omicron variant that we're seeing now is the time that COVID becomes maybe more endemic than pandemic, meaning it's more of a kind of an every year thing that we deal with. But we are not so naive to think that we can predict COVID very well because as has been obvious, it's turned a lot and it continues to evolve in a way that's made it really hard for us to stay ahead of it or even keep up with it. So, so it's, been, uh, it's, it's been crazy, but for me personally, it's been an incredible growth experience. I've learned a ton. I never intended to do this, of course not. And I've worked with some amazing people that just absolutely inspire me and, and have helped me be a better person as well as learned a lot from them. But also, anytime, Gary and Amy, for me, just like you guys, anytime you have an opportunity to serve, I think that brings out the best in you and the best in us. And seeing teams come together to do things that are selfless is just, it couldn't be more inspiring. So there's been good things and bad things, but I'll be so happy to give up this title that, you know, with my head intact, in as I said before, uh, as, as soon as it's over. I'm in for the long time, long haul as much as I can be, unless the governor will have me. Your work be- is a lot, your work is a lot more critical than ours, but we'll all be happy to give it up <laughs> as soon as possible, too. And to your point about the ev- evolving nature of, uh, of this virus, uh, I seem to hear more from citizens, even from the media, reading newspapers, that uh, the the guidelines, the suggested precautions we should be taking are changing more frequently, and it's become more confusing. Can you give us the latest and greatest insights as to how we should be protecting ourselves today? Yeah, I sure can, but you're right. This is, I think that one of the issues that we are going to see clearly when we debrief when COVID's finally over, that our crisis communication needs a tremendous amount of work. I mean, it's just the, the, the stream of consciousness that's become COVID in the media or social media has just confused people. But let me just try to level set, and I'll try to be super duper simple about this right now. Omicron variant, the most contagious variant of COVID-19 that we've seen by far. Um, best protected by being fully vaccinated and boosted if you're eligible. And if you're out, you need to upgrade to a much better mask and you should absolutely wear the mask. I am wearing a mask now more than I have at probably any recent time since we've had the vaccines, you know, as far as the quality of mask. And you want a N95 mask that is certified by NIOSH the National Institutes of Occupational Safety and Health, find them on Amazon and you wanna wear them. And if two people wear that level mask, you can reduce the spread of COVID by 75 times. So that's really, really effective, even with the highly transmissible Omicron variant. If you get Omicron, and I'm sure you guys know plenty of people that have gotten infected, even who are vaccinated, and maybe even who are vaccinated and boosted. If you get it and you're vaccinated and you're boosted, you're generally protected against hospitalization and death. And what you want to do is you want to make sure you touch base with your health, with your doctor or your healthcare um, team so that they know that you have it 
and they can help you identify whether you have any risk and you need any of the preventive treatments like the monoclonal antibodies, et cetera, which we have in small amounts, but we can use to try to reduce even further the risk of very high risk individuals, usually older and sicker, from potentially getting infection to go into the hospital or to die. The difference about Omicron from Delta is not only it spreads faster, but it can infect and affect children differently. Mm. This is the first part of the pandemic where we've seen kids get really sick who go to the hospital. Now, let me just level set so parents don't panic that it, the data is only one of 100,000 children who get infected with the Omicron variant will go to the hospital and only three out of a million children who get the Omicron variant will go to the hospital. But if you're a child that's been admitted to the hospital, it generally means you're sick with this variant. And, and, and we know that up to 40% of people, at least in one recent study, children who were admitted to the hospital had an ICU stay and about 29% of the children admitted to the hospital had to have a little bit of time on a breathing machine. And the reason why is probably because Omicron is an upper airway problem more than Delta, which was lower airway, Delta more low oxygen level, et cetera. Omicron more sore throat and a lot and coughing. And in children with small airways, that inflammation, the swelling, the infection can cause their airways to narrow down to the level that they have a lot of trouble breathing through those airways. Mm -hmm. And so that's the reason why we're worried about children. So if you have children who are between five and 17, please vaccinate them. That is our worst category for vaccinations. And we know that children in hospitals, this is from New York City, the children, 96% of all the children that had to go to the hospital were not vaccinated in New York City. So vaccination of your five to 17 year olds, the best medicine to prevent the risk of them going. And if you have children under five, vaccines should be coming, not quite there yet, because the children didn't get the benefit of the vaccines that the drug manufacturer Merck, I mean, I'm sorry, Pfizer had hoped they would get two doses of a very small amount of vaccine that was given to two to five-year-olds didn't boost their immune system substantially enough. So they're gonna get a third dose. But the six-month-old to the two-year-old with a very small dose of the vaccine did get the boost. So I think we're gonna see vaccines available really soon. They need to get that two to five-year-old group you know, in the appropriate immune category. But I think that's gonna happen pretty quickly. So I think we'll soon have a vaccine available for six month to, to uh, five-year-olds, but the five-year-old and under right now, just be careful. Yeah, I don't wanna to wander too far off our path, but how's our governor doing? Oh, uh, Governor Justice is recovering. He's now ready to get back into the, in, into the work seat. Yeah. He's a guy, he's a warrior and he wants to get back at it. But you know, he would tell you, that despite you know, his two vaccines and boosting uh, and getting the monoclonal antibodies, he got really sick yeah. from, from his bout with COVID-19. So he would say, number one, thank God I got vaccinated with the, with the boost because that probably saved my life. And number two is COVID-19. And you know we're sequencing his virus, but just by his symptoms, I think it's likely he had the Omicron variant which some people say, oh, it's milder. 
he would say that is nothing to play around yeah, with. Yeah, I think he you're got, right. He got actually yeah. sick from it. Yeah. That's good to hear. Let's, let's talk about mental health now. Um, at our Healthy Harrison board meeting just yesterday, we talked about the pandemic's effect on mental health. People are more isolated, they're social distanced, they're holding meetings virtually. How is this impacting our mental health? I mean, we had a kind of a lengthy discussion. We've had a few of those. Well, Amy, you're spot on. Probably one of the issues that we've seen as the primary kind of adjacent problem to COVID-19 has been the mental health of our youth and, um, and also of our adult population. And, and as I said, I think COVID is part of a transformational change moment in our world, in our country, and in our state. And there's some things that have changed even during COVID that for West Virginia, you know, we have received financial aid and we're in better position financially than we've been in a long time from an economic standpoint. People are recognizing West Virginia is a great place to come. You know, we know that um, we have demonstrated to the world that we can be first in West Virginia and do things really, really well. Yet at the same time, our deaths from substance use disorder have gone up. The number of young uh, West Virginians that report issues with uh, childhood traumas and, and you know we see people who are feeling very isolated and lonely and, and we know that those issues create the foundation for poor health, for suicides, for overdoses, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that we are seeing that as a, as you say, as a response acutely from COVID because we have done meetings by Zoom like we're doing today. And, but I also think that this is really a change because, you know, we have been so focused on the external world and metrics and measures. And we've told people you got to be better than so-and-so. And, and I think that when we start to look, you know, at the future and you look at Eastern sages and, you know, and, and, and you read about Taoism or Buddhism or, or whatever, what, you know, like the Sufi poet Rumi said, yesterday I was clever and wanted to change the world. Today, I am wise and decided to change myself. And I think that this is a moment for us to start to focus internally and understand. And we talked about a growth mindset and we talked about, you can look at the world with, you know, feeling safe and, and, you know, being in, in the flow with the, with the current of your life, or you can resist and try to paddle against the current. And, and I think we've resisted for so long that now may be the time for us to really take a moment and take a breath and start to not only have our eyes open, but see what's around us. And, and one of the things that I've found so powerful, and I hope that we can help others in West Virginia do this too, is when you wake up and you start to think about all the things you're grateful for, as opposed to all the things that are lacking in your life. And you realize that, you know, there's data suggesting the average lottery winner is less happy than the average person. And the average person surviving a life-threatening illness, happier than the average person. And you start to think about all the priceless gifts that we have, our health, our ability to independently ambulate, to do things we love to do, to 
see beauty in whatever way that we see it or listen to music we love or watch a streaming video, but not just to do it just because we're bored, but to really and you know stay in that moment and really enjoy it. It's such a gift. And that gift is available to us all the time, but oftentimes people realize that only when that gift is missing, when their life is short. I'm a critical care physician and and you know I've had people that have more wealth than I will ever have by many, many fold, but have given it all up for another meal with their family or another walk outside. And you think about that, we get to do that every day, but almost never ever appreciate how special and powerful and priceless that is. Because when that's gone, that's gone. So I think that, you know, that reframing what we are grateful for and how we want to live our lives. And we see people changing. We see people not wanting to compete in that external world competitive environment and see people want more peace, more beauty, more time with family. And that's a gift that we've had too. You know, so so I think a lot of this is just how you see it. I love the poet and philosopher Anna S. Nen that said, we don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. And I think that we have a moment here to start to see things better and more beautifully, which I think will bring people together and make people feel closer, not only to each other, but to themselves. Because if you don't love yourself and you haven't healed yourself, it's hard for you to love and heal others. That's very true. Let me remind folks again that you're watching our weekly Healthy Harrison podcast. And uh, this podcast is made possible by the help of our sponsors, WVU Medicine, United Hospital Center, West Virginia University, The State Journal, WVNews.com, and Interaction Media. Our guest today is Dr. Clay Marsh of WVU Health Sciences and uh, also the governor-appointed um, COVID czar for West Virginia. Uh, you, you were just saying that uh, substance abuse disorders have grown during the pandemic. Uh, I believe you've also stated uh, that the opposite of addiction is connection. Uh, but right now, connection is hazardous to our health. So how do we help those uh, when they're disconnected and there's no way to bring them back together the way we'd like necessarily? Well, Gary, that's an important question. And, and I don't know if I have a, a perfect answer right. to it, but, but, but I think connection is more than just, I'm sitting in the same studio with you guys and, and we're able to shake hands or pat each other on the back or whatever it is. I think connection is more of your perception of your life and existence. You know, it's, it's, it's important to note that ecosystems in, in our environment that thrive, always thrive collaboratively, never thrive competitively. And I think that we are on each on an individual journey of growth and, you know, and, and, and trying to heal ourselves and, and on a collective journey to try to help each other heal and, and, and grow. And so, again, if you're meditating or if you're practicing mindfulness or if you're reading a book you love or if you're listening to music you love, you know, and you're in the moment, then a lot of times your life feels so full, even though you may be completely by yourself and, and nobody else within range. 
and and for you know some people it's a it's a, a treasured pet or for other people it's a it's a cause it's you know i'm i'm writing my book i'm i'm doing work i'm contributing and we can contribute in all sorts of ways without being in person with each other but i think you're right the way we're put together and the way that we've evolved through tribes you know dunbar's number 150 robin dunbar an anthropologist 150 is about the most number of people you can know because it was about the biggest size group that you could have survived with from the standpoint of big enough to protect each other and small enough to feed each other. So we are impacted by things that came before. And I would just say that to me, the difference between solitude and loneliness is not whether you're in a room with another person, but it's whether you feel that you're missing something and that you have a hole that needs to be filled or you don't. And I'm arguing that one of the most powerful ways to combat loneliness and isolation is to develop an inner sense of peace and make sure that you continue to contribute in meaningful ways to connect yourself by purpose, by, you know, by conversation, et cetera, because this is connection, even though physically we are out of the room with each other. But I agree, some people, need the physical connection yeah. and that's been lacking and that's been problematic for many during the COVID pandemic. We typically work within about a 30 minute format, but we also know that you're available for a few more minutes today. So we've got a couple more questions. Are you good with that? Of course. Sure. Okay, go ahead, Amy. Okay, well, an early initiative given to Healthy Harrison really by you and as well as others is to change the narrative of health and well-being of West Virginia communities. As such, the focus of our podcast have been change your state. As we, I guess, get back on track, do you feel that we are? I mean, we have a different initiative. We've gonna done a pivot over the past year. Um, we feel that we're on a different track, but it, it, for us, it feels like the right track, especially during COVID and what's come out of that. Do you feel that we're on the right track? Of course. I mean, there is no right and wrong track, I don't think. It's really, I mean, what we're really trying to do, and you guys are teaching us, I mean, thank you, it's, mm -hmm. it's great, is we're really trying to do is we're trying to activate communities with community leaders and citizens and people that are passionate to try to improve the quality of life and experience of the people that live in these communities. You know, it's interesting that, and I'm just gonna use this as a quick example, but Google as a company looked at their best teams and they basically wanted to know, well, what was the secret for the performance of their best teams? Not just like people were happier, but productive. You know, they were doing great stuff and they measured everything. And they only found one thing really meaningfully different. And what they found was, and they called this project Aristotle, they found was that their best performing teams had very high degrees of psychological safety on them versus other teams. And people got like, psychological safety, what's the deal there? When you think about it, Maslow's hierarchy of human needs is physiology, you gotta breathe and your eyes gotta blink, et cetera. And then safety, physical and psychological, then love, self-esteem, self-actualization. So safety and authenticity is so powerful in our human sort of functioning. And I think what Healthy Harrison has done great is there's been a group of people that by choice, not by edict, have come together to do something that makes sense for them and their community, what you guys are doing, 
and you're getting some wonderful results. And it's not like, because we tried to get the result that we did it, you're doing it because you love each other and you're doing work that makes the community better for each person. And when you do that right, then all these outcome measures start to get better. And I think the secret sauce here is if you set off on the outcome measures, you might get it, but you can't sustain it. But if you start on the love and the safety and this kind of abundance mindset that we've talked about as the foundation and give everybody a voice and let them feel safe to give their ideas and work and do some stuff and, you know, and re re-navigate if it doesn't work, that's not failing, that's learning. And this continuous learning cycle and having the right people with the right, you know, incentives to do that, you can't go wrong and you guys have done great. So it's, well, I think it's fantastic. That. And I, I can, really can't go much further without giving at least a plug to our executive director, John Paul Nardelli, yeah. um, for giving us the ideas and the switching and the pivoting. And we do have a great board, we have a great steering committee, but it's really all driven by John Paul, so. John Paul's awesome. Yes, he is. <laughs> hey, Clay, last question. Uh, in, in some convoluted way, has this pandemic perhaps caused more people to realize and take a serious look at the fragility of life? Uh, could it help motivate people to really want to change their state? Gary, I, I, that's beautifully said. You know, everything that happens to us in our life, I believe, one, happens for a reason, even if we can't understand it, and two, offers us an opportunity to either grow or to, you know, to stay. And I think that the COVID pandemic could not have provided a more acute stressor on all mm -hmm. of the systems and all of our society and culturally, et cetera. But I, just like you, you know, um, indicated, believe that this is a wonderful moment in time for all of us. You know, if we don't appreciate our health and if we don't appreciate our community and family and the things that we really love and these priceless gifts, then we've missed one heck of a great opportunity. And, and so I believe that this change is happening not to punish anybody or to scare everybody. I think this is a moment where our societies are going to take steps in ways to bring us closer together, where instead of seeing each other as enemies, we see each other as friends, as mirrors to ourselves. And at some point, this pandemic, if it hasn't done anything else, it's given all of us a moment of breath from the crazy life that we have led to maybe something that for some people at least might be a better way to go. And sometimes you have to go slower to go faster. And sometimes you wanna take the scenic route and instead of you know moaning and groaning about how much longer it's taking you yeah. from the interstate, you look around and you go like, wow, it's pretty beautiful yeah. here. And, uh, and so I think that for me, that's exactly what this pandemic has done. But like I said, lesson learned, I'm ready to be over with it. So thank yeah, you guys right. so much. <laughs> Clay, uh, we can't thank you enough for joining us today, but more importantly, I wanna thank you for uh, the guidance and advice that you've been giving to Healthy Harrison over the last couple of years. It's, uh, it's very meaningful and it, I, I think, keeps the board and, and John, our friend John Paul uh, on focus because we think there's a lot more to do and 
And ultimately, we would like to see our efforts grow, and they already are, uh, starting to grow and expand beyond Harrison County, which I think is a real success. No, that's great. And that's what we wanted. And I also want to shout out to Bill Ramsey, who I, who right. has also done a great job, and then Mike Tillman and, and all the people that are sponsoring. Really, really greatly done. And thank you guys. Thank you guys for taking your time and, and, and sharing that with people, not just with this interview, but with many things that you guys have done. Wonderful. Great progress. We're here to help. You guys are teaching us. You're leading the way. We appreciate you. We want to thank you, uh, viewers for joining our podcast, our Healthy Harrison podcast. Uh, it's our goal to change your state of mind and ultimately change the state of health, both locally in North Central West Virginia and throughout the entire state of West Virginia. If you want more help right now, visit HealthyHarrison.org or visit the Healthy Harrison Facebook page and give us a like. You'll also, well, you'll find lots of support, but you'll also find uh, past episodes of our podcasts on that Facebook page. Again, we want to thank our sponsors, WVU Medicine, United Hospital Center, West Virginia University, The State Journal, WVNews.com, and Interma Interaction Media, all the folks that have helped us with the production here for the first time in studio today with Amy. Uh, on behalf of Healthy Harrison and Amy Haberbosch-Wilson, uh, we'd like to thank you for being a part of our program. Uh, I want to remind you that next week, Amy and Brock uh, Malcolm, our former president of Healthy Harrison, now vice president, will be talking with Rhea Dyer. Uh, Rhea is the owner-CEO of Best Life Therapy and Integrated Speech Solutions. We hope we'll see you then. Thanks. <music>